communion. Uh, of course, under the new code, you can go to communion twice per day. The, the second time has to be in the context of hearing mass. So a person, if a person came in, the, in fact, on a daily mass, you can come in, if, as long as you're disposed, you could come in before communion and go to communion. You don't have to hear the whole daily mass. And if there was another one after that, then you could go to communion again. Sometimes it's funny because people uh, will actually uh, bragged me or, or, or chastised me for, for suggesting people should go to communion more than once, I think. Well, I mean, when you're laying there on your deathbed, you're not going to regret more communion, so you're going to be proud, like, I've gone to communion less than most people. I mean, this is just crazy. The, the Christ our Lord comes to us in the most blessed sacrament of the altar. If we're not saints after our first Holy Communion, it's because of our disposition. So we want our disposition to keep changing. One of the ways to change our disposition is by receiving him. Anyway, he's the source of holiness. So that's my remark on that. Ave Maria Purissima, in the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, amen. The Pope who led the church into the 13th century, the most Catholic of all centuries, was perhaps the greatest Pope of the Middle Ages, and certainly one of the greater Popes of all time, Innocent III. He sat on St. Peter's chair from 1198 until 1216. During his pontificate, among other things, he proclaimed the Fourth Crusade. Uh, he approved St. Francis' request to found a band of begging brothers, and he convened uh, the great Fourth Lateran Council in 1215 to, quote, deliberate on the improvement of morals, the extinction of heresy, and the strengthening of the faith, close quote. On July 16, 1216, at the relatively young age of 56, he died near Rome. Within three days, the cardinals elected his successor, Pope Honorius III. Honorius took Innocent III as his model for the papacy, regarding Innocent as an inspired leader of Christendom and as a saint. Far away in the Netherlands, on the very day that Pope Innocent died, St. Lutgard of Brabant was surprised to suddenly see a man completely enveloped in flames appear before her right there in the convent. Who are you and what do you want, she demanded of him. I'm Pope Innocent, he replied. Is it possible that you, our Holy Father, should be in such a state, she asked. Yes, I'm expiating three faults, which he then had told her, but as her biographer noted, quote, I admit them here through respect for so great a pope, close quote. I'm ex expiating three faults, which might have caused my eternal perdition. Thanks to the Blessed Virgin Mary, I have obtained pardon for them, but I have to make atonement. It is terrible, and it will last for centuries if you do not come to my assistance. In the name of Mary, who has obtained for me the favor of appealing to you, help me. Then he disappeared. He disappeared after saying this purgatory time was terrible and would last for centuries. St. Lutgard announced the death of the Pope to her sisters, and they began prayers and works of penance to deliver him from purgatory. Some weeks later, news from Rome, the fact that the Pope had died, finally arrived at their convent. A great Pope, widely regarded as saintly, and yet his purgatory time would have lasted for centuries had St. Lutgard and his sisters not come to his aid. Centuries, for three faults. St. Francis of Rome says, on the average, it takes seven years in purgatory to make expiation for each forgiven mortal sin. That great doctor of the church, St. Robert Bellarmine, says there is no doubt that the pains of purgatory are not limited to 10 and 20 years, and they may last, in some cases, entire centuries. The last great Thomistic theologian, Father Reginald Marie Garagou-Lagrange, taught, quote, 
Theological opinion in general favors long duration of purgatorial purification. Private revelations mentioned three or four centuries or even more, especially for those who have had high office and great responsibility. Close quote. Actually, we could easily spend the whole sermon going through similar cases. We'll just mention one more. We're all familiar with the story of Fatima. Remember when the children of Fatima asked Our Lady what had happened to a teenage girl that had recently died? Our Lady said she'd be in purgatory until the end of the world. Of course, all souls had to be out of purgatory at the end of the world since purgatory ends on Judgment Day. It seems rough. And if we just stopped there, we could easily fall into despair. But hang on, we'll look at a few truths about purgatory, and then we can put it into a clearer perspective. Truths about purgatory. One, purgatory is the place where the members of the church suffering live. They're commonly called the poor souls or the holy souls. The souls in purgatory have died in the state of grace, so they're all saved. But these souls cannot yet enter heaven because they still have to make amends. So purgatory is the place where souls make amends. It's like summer school for heaven. You didn't flunk, but you didn't quite pass either. Two, this point has two truths which we have to simultaneously keep together. Purgatory is a place of joy and peace, and at the same time a place of suffering. So it's a place of joy and peace and a place of suffering. St. Catherine of Genoa, who dictated her treaties on purgatory while she was in ecstasy, commented on these very truths saying that the poor souls enjoy an inexpressible peace which is compounded of joy and pain. No peace can be compared with the peace in purgatory except for the peace in heaven. God increases in the poor souls the desire to see him. Their desire is so strong to have that beatific vision that it becomes absolutely unbearable. Three, there are two pains in purgatory, the delay of the beatific vision and the pain of sense. The delay of the beatific vision is the chief pain in purgatory. These souls truly love God above all things. On the one hand, they're full of joy in the hope they're soon going to be delivered from this state. On the other hand, they're in agony in the suffering they're experiencing from not seeing God face to face yet. And this is real suffering. According to the great doctors of the church, St. Augustine, St. Isidore, St. Bonaventure, and St. Robert Bellarmine, the least pain in purgatory is greater than the greatest pains on earth. St. Catherine of Genoa, who experienced the pains of purgatory while she was here on earth, said that souls in purgatory unite great joy with great suffering. One does not diminish the other. On the other hand, the souls in purgatory endure, endure torments which no tongue can describe and no intelligence comprehend without special revelation. The pain of sense, according to the teaching of those great doctors of the church, St. Gregory the Great, St. Augustine, St. Cyprian, St. Basil, and St. Robert Bellarmine, and according to the experience of many saints who visited purgatory, is caused by the purgatorial fire, which cleanses the souls of their imperfections. So the two pains are from the delay of the beatific vision and the purgatorial fire. Four, there are three reasons souls are detained in purgatory. First, they're making amends for sins, either mortal or venial, that were already forgiven, but which they hadn't made complete satisfaction for yet in this life. What does that mean? Actually, it's a fairly basic concept. The virtue of justice considers in rendering onto someone else what's his due. So justice means you pay what you owe. So if we steal our neighbor's lawnmower, and later on we repent and he forgives us, we still have to give him the lawnmower back. We have to make restitution in order to, to restore the balance of justice. 
Now, if someone violates the virtue of justice, he has to make reparation. When we sin, we haven't read unto God what we owe him, which is absolute obedience. We've tipped those scales of justice when we've sinned. So we have to do two things to get the scales back. We have to repent and make reparation. And if we don't repent before we die and we're guilty of mortal sin, then we're in real trouble, we'll be damned. But suppose we do repent before we die, but we haven't made restitution for all our sins, well, that's purgatory. So we have to keep in mind that even after sin's been forgiven, the balance still has to be evened. That's why we do penance, that's why we give alms, do good works, to even out the balance so we can reduce time and purgatory. Now before we go on, let's consider something we've already heard in the light of this fact. Remember St. Francis of Rome said on the average it takes seven years in purgatory to make expiation for each forgiven mortal sin. Well then you can, once we understand that, we can understand why Catholics in the olden days wanted to do such heavy duty penances, so they could do all the penance while they were here on earth. You understand why a priest might tell you you could ask for more penance in the confessional, because other things being equal, the same exact penance done privately or done as a sacramental penance doesn't have the same result, because a confessional penance gets you out of way more purgatory time. St. Thomas of Villanova urged confessors to give optional penances to their penitents, since this reduces their purgatory time without being a dangerous burden to them. Okay, so the first reason that souls are in purgatory is they're making amends for their sins, either mortar or venial, that were already forgiven, for which they hadn't made complete satisfaction for yet in this life. Second, souls are also in purgatory because they died with unforgiven venial sins, for which they must render an account. Un venial sins don't merit damnation, but they have to be paid for before a soul can enter heaven. Third, souls are also detained in purgatory because even though their sins have been forgiven, these souls still have what are called the remains of sin when they die. Now, what are the remains of sin? St. Thomas points out there's two problems with any sin. One problem is a sinner turns away from God. The other problem is a sinner turns towards a creature. For example, in the case of someone who's smoking dope, the sinner turns away from God when he decides to sin, and he turns towards this creature, marijuana. Let's assume the man receives the grace to repent. Now, since that's a mortal sin, the crime of turning away from God is forgiven him when he makes a good confession. But, and this is super important for us to realize, there may very well be a remaining attraction or inclination towards this creature, towards marijuana. This attraction, which remains in the man's soul after confession, continues to cause him problems. It continues to solicit him, to tempt him to commit that sin again. And this continuing lack of virtue in the man's soul is called the remains of sin. Repetition makes a habit, bad habits are a vice. This is the reason when I preach about healing, it's so important for us to work on this. When you work on healing, you're also working on growing in holiness and getting out of purgatory time. And you can do it here. Nobody here has to go to purgatory. It's also important to realize we can have venially uh, sinful vicious habits, like impatience and speech and so forth. Those have to be burnt out before we leave purgatory, but they can be healed here. So again, the three reasons for souls being in purgatory are they're making amends for sins, either mortar or venial that were forgiven, but they hadn't made satisfaction for yet in this life. Two, they died with unforgiven venial sins, for which they must render account. Or three, they still had the remains of sin, these wounds, when they died. Next, our Lord meant exactly what he said in the parable when he said we wouldn't get out till we paid the last penny. Not even the slightest, any, anyone with the slightest speck of imperfection can enter heaven. 
Six, souls in purgatory can't merit. The time for merit is in this life. At death, all meriting ends, period. We can grow in grace now, but not before we die. That's why we want to make as fervent a communion as we can, because we grow in grace. And the amount of grace you die with is the amount of grace you have. Seven, we can offer up, uh, or God sends us exactly the amount of suffering in this life. We need to avoid purgatory and to go straight to heaven when we die. That's why it's so important to work on virtue. It's so important to work on healing because then we don't buck against the cross when God sends it to us. And all those little crosses and even the big cross he sent are designed for one thing, so that we're purified in this life. And when we're purified in this life, we're meriting at the same time. So we're going to die in a more holy way. It's so important to meditate on the cross. Last, we can offer up our prayers and good works for poor souls. That's critical. So many people have forgotten this because at so many funerals, the poor guy, is, poor gal is canonized and people forget we need to pray for them. We need to pray for them our, our whole entire life. We need to pray for our loved ones and pray for the forgotten ones and so forth. It's so important. And every time you go to Holy Mass, not just a requiem, but there's the memento of the dead. You should remember all the souls, all the souls that you're most bound to pray for, the ones that are here, the ones that nobody else prays for. And you can bet during the course of your life, you're going to get plenty of people out of purgatory if you're doing that sort of thing. And where are they going to be? They're going to be in heaven. There are no ingrates in heaven. They're going to be looking out for you because you were looking out for them. And they're going to help you Get out of it if you end up in purgatory because they're going to obtain for you. You've been getting indulgence, you've been praying, then those prayers will be applied to you. They'll talk to the Lord about that. But you should set the goal to miss purgatory. Sometimes people say, Father, I'm just shooting for purgatory. That's crazy. You might miss. Shoot for heaven. Then if you miss, it's purgatory. That's not such a bad deal. You'll be a holy soul then. But shoot to be a saint. That's why you're baptized. That's why you're here. So if we've been serious about trying to get the souls out on a regular basis, what do you think was going to happen if we land in purgatory? God is infinitely just. He's going to give us first dibs on those prayers going to the souls. Not just indulgences. We can offer up our masses, our communions, on occasion, our sickness, our sufferings, our aches and pains. We can give alms. There's all kinds of beautiful things we can do to get the souls out of purgatory. And there are no ingrates in heaven. They're going to remember you. Okay. Let's put one more point in perspective. Why do you suppose Pope Innocent III appeared to St. Lutgard? He darn sure wasn't sneaking out of purgatory. God allows an apparition like that for at least three reasons. First, to remind us that he means what he says. He said, if he said we have to answer for every idle word, he means it. God's God. He isn't going to have a better idea. He didn't forget anything. He knows it all. Okay? If he says something, that's just how it is. Second, to remind us that we need to pray and sacrifice to get our brothers and sisters out of purgatory. And if we're doing that, not only are we helping those who can't help themselves, but we're also crushing our own self-love, and we're growing in holiness at the same time. And third, it was an act of mercy. An apparition like that is an act of mercy. God's infinitely just, but he's, we forget that at our own peril, but he's also infinitely merciful. And even though Innocent III was sentenced to centuries in purgatory, why did God let him appear to a saint and a whole convent of nuns? To make sure he wouldn't have to do all that time. So they'd help him out. Why? Because by their prayers and sacrifice, he'd be speedily delivered. And then people knew he was there and remind people, hey, we need to pray 
for our holy dead, okay? Who wants to spend decades or centuries in purgatory? Everybody here just needs to get serious about their religion. It's pay now or pay later. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Ghost, amen.